Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hello, compassionate caregivers. I'm Martha Tyler, and together with Katie Anderson, we are the hosts of the Compassionate Caregiver Podcast. We believe that the most profound impact we can have on the lives of children is by supporting, educating, and caring for the people who care for those children. And that is you. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Compassionate Caregiver Podcast. This week, I am so excited to be talking about the Purple Scarf Movement with the creator and founder of the Purple Scarf Movement. Our guest is a nanny. She's a children's book author. She's a publisher. She's a book coach. She's an advocate for all domestic workers, and she's a mom. This week, we are talking with Dion Monique. Hello, Dion. Hi, thank you for having me. I am so happy to be here. And that was the warmest introduction ever. Thank you so much. You are so welcome. I am like, so excited that you are here. This has been literally like over a year in the making. A long time coming, a long time coming. But I I always get back to people. (laughs) Eventually, it takes me a while, but I get there. (laughs) Yes, you do. And my schedule too has been so hectic. So I'm glad our schedules have collided so we can meet today. I am too. I am so glad. Um, And I'm so excited to talk about the Purple Scarf Movement and all that you are building and have built and the ways that you're helping children out there and their caregivers both. Um, and supporting them. But before we talk about that, which I'm sure it will be sprinkled in your nanny story, but I would love to hear your nanny story, your nanny journey. Uh, It And it's a journey. It definitely has been that. Well, first off, let me say that I have been a giver of care for as long as I was old enough to give care. Mm -hmm. I was um, the neighborhood babysitter, Um, I'm the youngest in my family, but I always seem to be the one to keep all the kids, you know? (laughs) And so one day um, my nephew was going to a daycare, not too far from where I was working. So on my lunch break, I wanted to go in and just, you know, check on him a little bit. And the director was like, "Um, excuse me. And I'm like, yes. She said, are you looking for a job? And I was like, I'm not, but tell me about it. Tell me about it. So she showed me through the daycare and showed me all the different things. And I'm like, wait a minute. I get to play with these kids all day and get paid for it. Sign me up. Mm -hmm. And I have been working in childcare ever since. I was a pre-K teacher, which I loved as well. But my true love is working with infants and toddlers. That's where I glow, right? And so I um, was working in the classroom and one of my parents came to me and she said, you know what? You are such a good teacher, but you will be an amazing nanny. And I was like, what? 
what do you mean? Okay, well, thank you. So, you know, I just went on about my day or whatever. Come to find out a couple months later, she was expecting. And she offered me the nanny position. She said, "Um, what do you think about being a nanny? And that scared me because I'm like, I got security here with my job. I know I'm going to have a job. You know, my benefits, blah, blah, blah. And she was like, well, just try it out for a year. And I will support you in every way this job does. Mm -hmm. So, and if you don't like it, you can always come back to your job. And I was like, you know what? You're right. Let me try it. And that was 10 years ago. Oh my God. And And I never went back to the daycare. I stayed with that first family for five years. And um, my next family, I stayed with them for three years. And then boom, boom, here I am. So it's been a beautiful journey. I've loved meeting different families and taking care of different, you know, babies and all their differences and teaching them how to grow and teaching them all the first things that babies have to learn to be beautiful, rambunctious toddlers. So, you know, it's been really good. Oh, I love that so much. Um, that's wonderful to be with them for five years. That's, yes. There's nothing better. <laughs> yeah. And then she had a second baby on me. So, oh, really? <laughs> but which was her third. So, yep. yeah, it was beautiful. And then I got to have him from birth and just, oh, I love it. Yes. Yes. Okay. Well, thank you for sharing all of that. I love it. I think people's nanny journeys are so fascinating. Um, and I love that, like, it found you, right? Like, this career exactly. found you. Exactly. It knew that we And I you. fell in love with it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, let's talk about the Purple Scarf Movement. Like, I would love okay. for you to kind of just give, like, an overview of what it is and what you are building toward. Yes. Well, as we mentioned before, I am a children's book author and I have recently published my very first book, Ebony's Purple Scarf. And this book is going to be a series of books, but it's the first book released from the series. And what it's about is Cancer Journey. Mm-hmm. I myself am a breast, ca- breast cancer survivor mm-hmm. and along my journey I did not know how to communicate with my son who was seven at the time of diagnosis what was going on with his mom right. like and to myself I couldn't really admit that I really have to go through this you know right. so I did what I thought was best at the time which was I hid everything from him. I didn't show him any sickness, any hair loss, any any weaknesses at all within myself. I struggled, I struggled, I struggled, but you know, I made it through that process by the grace of God. And I just wanted to do something to help other parents who have that same struggle or who has had that same struggle. And while, when I was diagnosed, I looked for materials to, you know, teach me how to talk to my son about it, about at a seven year old about it. And I really didn't find anything. 
And I couldn't even find the words within myself, you know? So I was a little bit ashamed and embarrassed about what I was going through at the time. And so hiding it, I thought was the best thing. So he can be a kid, right? Right. So fast forward 13 years later to my healing. Mm -hmm. And I realized that I should have made a different decision. I'm not going to say a better one because I did what I thought was best at the time, but I could have made a different decision and I could have allowed my son on that journey with me that I bared alone. You know, I was a single mom. I didn't have very much family where I lived and, you know, but by the grace of God, he surrounded me with the people that I needed at the time when I needed them And this book has always been on my heart to write. And I just never had the courage to, you know, step out and put my life in a book because Mm -hmm. the book is my life. It's my story and it's attached to the book. So uh, when I finally got it out and I got positive feedback from people and Lots of parents coming to me and was saying that they were lost and that this book is going to help them with the starting point to have these conversations. Um, People coming to me saying, I wish that I had this book when I was a little girl and I found out about my mom, my dad, what, you know, whomever in their life who was dealing with cancer at that time. And I'm like, this is a movement. This is a movement. I feel like I went through it alone. I want to make sure nobody else has to go through it alone. I want to make sure when somebody Googles cancer books for kids, that my book pops up for them, you know, and that they can have a starting tool of conversation. And it's a movement. It's a, it's a power move. If you ask me, because Um, We're putting our voices together as one collective and we're overcoming that fear. We're teaching our kids the way our parents didn't teach us at an early age. And, you know, grief is going to happen throughout our lives. Struggles are going to come and I'm not hiding anymore. I'm going to say that. And I'm not hiding it anymore. And I want to help others have that same voice that I couldn't find. And they don't have to hide it with their children. And their children can learn. And children learn from other children. And it's just a big snowball effect. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And like coming from the therapy world, we know that trauma, the actual trauma is not what like we're dealing with in therapy. A lot of the time, the, the point of trauma, capital T trauma is not necessarily what we're dealing with. It trauma becomes a lot worse. If we try to go through it alone, trauma is healed through connection with other people. And so the gift that you are giving to everyone through this book and through your movement is offering them a space, a really safe space to walk into, to have that connection, to work through the grief and the, the changes and the feeling of losing control over your own body and not being able to help the person that you love so much. Like 
it's all in there and it's so important and you're helping heal trauma before it even becomes this, you know, huge thing in somebody's life. Yes. Yes. Thank you. You said that so beautifully, like my heart skipped a beat just listening to you because you get me. You get me. It's just such a vulnerable point in your life, you know? And so I just don't want anyone to have to feel the way I felt. And this book has liberated me so much. And the responses that I get from people is my reason why. Yep. Yep. I love that. Um, Yeah. So I would love to talk a little bit more about like, getting those conversations started. So there is like developmentally appropriate ways to talk to kids about cancer, right? Like we can't, if we just like name facts, that's not going to be great. If we're like, this is physically what's going on in my body. Like that's not, that's not helpful. Exactly. Exactly. But also ignoring it completely is really confusing and that shame piece. So, yeah. Same time. At the same time. It's a lot. It's a lot. But you can find the words to use. um, Like within my book, some of the language that I use is Ebony has a sickness on the inside of her. You know, we can't see it. We can't touch it. But only she can feel that, you know, and it makes her feel sad. And sometimes she has to miss out on doing things like going on field trips and things like that because she doesn't feel very well. She has a big boo-boo in the inside, you know, kids understand that they will understand that four and five-year-olds, six-year-olds, they will understand that these kids are so advanced these days. Like you have to teach them on their level and even talk to them on your level because they can understand they then they will start to connect so right right and I imagine that like as you get the conversation started talking about things like or like playing right like a lot of healing happens through play So like playing doctor's office and allowing space for like the kids to both be the patient and the doctor. And like, I, I imagine, correct me if I'm wrong, that, uh, in that play, some questions might come up that the kid might feel too overwhelmed or scared to ask, like outside of that safe place to play. Exactly. Exactly. And then at the same time, they're comfortable enough to ask, you know, so you're right. Play is the best way to get those words out, get them open and not necessarily like a conversation, but it's conversation, you Mm -hmm. know, and they'll feel free to just say what's on their mind and ask questions that they need answers to. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. And how can you like help prepare children for the changes that do sometimes come on the outside, right? Like I, I know in children that I have worked with where their grandparents have had cancer and have gone through chemotherapy, like hair loss is a big and sometimes scary thing to see someone that they love change so drastically. 
Exactly. So I like to explain to them it's the medicine, right? They have to take these strong medicines. Like, but by the time the kids are four or five, they know what medicine is, right? right. And you can let them know that the medicine you have to take when you have a tummy ache or when you're not feeling, when you're feeling hot and have a fever, that's not strong medicine. But the illness, the sickness that Nana has on the inside, she needs strong medicines to help her feel better. And sometimes when you take those strong medicines, it makes your hair go away, but right. it will come back when you're done taking the strong medicines, but it makes your hair grow away. So sometimes you have to wear a scarf or a hat on your head, or, you know, maybe you just won't wear anything on your head and it's okay. It's okay because Nana's going to feel better, you know, mm -hmm. and her hair will come back, you know, and if she don't, and if I never say if we don't, but you know, there's always an if, but I try not to go with the if. I just try to stay with the positive. And then if we have to talk about other things, then we'll have other conversations, you know. Right, right. But I feel that that prepares them a little bit. Talking about the strong medicines and what the strong medicine does when you take it inside your body. So, yeah. And I really appreciate you adding the part about like, this is different from the medicine that you give. Cause I could totally see that like getting into a, a territory where they're like, I'm not taking any medicine because <laughs> some kids don't even want it in the first place. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, and within my book, um, there's a point. Oh, Ebony's Purple Scarf is the name of the book. I don't right. know if I said that. Yes. <laughs> so and, yes. And which is the Purple Scarf movement. Mm -hmm. And within the book, um, Ebony wears her scarf to school every day because she's hiding a secret under there, you know, mm -hmm. and she don't want her classmates to find out. But one day on the playground, that scarf comes off. And her friends, they all stare at her and they point at her and they laugh at her and Ebony feels sad, you know. But after having conversations at home with their parents and their parents talking to them about why Ebony didn't have hair when her scarf came off, when they came back to school, everybody wore a purple scarf to support Ebony. Right. you know oh. so we can talk about well, <laughs> yes so we can talk about things like that so if if nana's wearing her green scarf maybe we can all wear a green scarf one day to you know let nana know that we're hoping that she gets better soon we could draw her pictures you know and i even like to tell them let's write a book even though they can't write mm -hmm. i mean they're scribbling and they're getting their thoughts out and, you know, it's better to get it out than to hold it in. And then I will say, okay, read your book to me. And then they will read the story, you know, and that's how we end it. Maybe I'll ask them questions about their story to see, you know, are they really understanding the concept of what I'm trying to explain to them and what's going on to, with Nana. So it's a tons of things that we can do to prepare them. And that's what I wanted to do in my book. Um, there are pausing points within the book that lets the grown up know, 
hey, take a second and talk this out before going to the next page. Or they can just read the whole book and then go back and do the pausing points, you know, to talk about it. So that's why this tool that I'm creating, it's more than a book, it's bigger than a book. It's a tool to bring families together in a time that you don't have enough time to think about it. <laughs> you know? Yes. Just pull my book out. Yes. I love that point in particular of like, when the diagnosis happens, right? Mm -hmm. Like there, then there's a million things. Mm -hmm. And so the emotional tending that needs to happen, the emotional mm -hmm. care that needs yes. to happen, not only for the person who is diagnosed, but for the entire family system. Yes. Like that can feel like too much. Like you're already expending so much energy trying to schedule all the appointments and like go do what you need to do and like research and fight with the insurance companies and like yes. all of yes. that is taking your attention and your energy mm -hmm. um and so the emotional piece is mm -hmm. often left kind of just out there right yes. Yeah. And so having this book that like literally has pausing points in it to like mm -hmm. talk you through it, I mm -hmm. imagine is so very helpful. Yes. I, I'm telling you, I planned this book out. This book, it's just like, what did I need? What did I need? Where was I lacking? What didn't I have? And I poured it into this book. And like you said, it's, it's not enough time to figure it all out. And then one of the most important factors of your life, which are your children, are the ones who's often left out to deal with their own emotions, what, however they can deal with it. And then one day a loved one is just disappeared and never came back and we didn't have a conversation about it, you know? So right. I wanted to change that and... My cousin said that to me one day. He said, because I didn't want any of the kids to know because then they would tell my kid, right? So right. none of the kids can know in the family. And, and he said that that wasn't fair to the children. Mm. You know, they need time to process it too. And, you know, you're their favorite aunt because you're the closest to them in age. You're the youngest child. You're the closest to the sibling. You're, you're the favorite aunt. And what if something happens to you and you're just gone? Right. And then we have to try to heal them back together. And he was saying it wasn't fair. And now I see it. When I was in it, I couldn't see it. Right. But now I'm outside looking in. I can totally understand what he was talking about. And there you go. This book is needed for that very purpose. Yeah. And I do find it so interesting that when you tried to look up resources, that there weren't a lot of resources like yeah. I, that just boggles my mind because and I'm so glad that you stepped up and filled in that huge gap of like yeah. resources, because I imagine that you are. Well, I know that you are not the only person who has struggled with that idea of like to tell, to not tell, like, can can I just like 
do this alone? Can I carry all of this alone? Um, And I know that that feels often like the right thing to do in the moment or like the only choice sometimes, (laughs) maybe not even the right thing to do, but like the only choice you have is just to keep going. Mm Because if you pause, then... It, it feels like it's all going to come crashing down. Exactly. It's like sinking sand. Yeah. You know, you can't get out of it. So you're right. I just had to push through however I can get through. And like I said, I hid everything from my son. I would get up in the mornings and present my best self that I can present to get him on the school bus. Yeah. And from school, then he went to after school, and then he went to the Boys and Girls Club after after school. Oh, he yeah. stayed there to 8 p.m. They fed them dinner. They did their homework with them. And then I would present my best self again to go pick him back up, bath. You know, of course, he's a boy, so he wants a second dinner. Right, right. <laughs> and, you know, just get him in bed, and then I can go and just, like, bear through the pain again you know and so all of those resources were there for me when I needed them the most and I am so thankful for that but what was missing was the conversation the connection you know I shut him out and if I feel like it put a wedge in between us that I'm still trying to wiggle out of you know because we just didn't deal with real life and so I'm standing in my truth you know and I am inspiring others to do the same and you know learn from my mistakes or mishaps or you know my mistakes yeah yeah and I I can totally see what you mean about that wedge because like so many of aspects of your life were impacted by the Mm -hmm. cancer and so then it's like well I can't share this like Mm -hmm. part of my day because that was impacted by cancer and I can't share this part of my day because that was also impacted and so yeah it just becomes this like wall that gets built up and like trying to protect him from pain but the pain is still there it's still there It's still there. And I didn't have an open conversation. Excuse me. I didn't have an open conversation with him until he was in high school. Um, They were doing a program for breast cancer, for breast cancer awareness month. And a little girl at his school was dealing with cancer. Mm -hmm. And so I just said to him, oh, you know, did you know that I dealt with that? And he was like, what? What do you mean? And we had the whole conversation and I would wear wigs all the time. So he never knew I didn't have hair. And he said, I remember you used to wear lots of short wigs. And he said, it was so funny. He was like, I thought you just like Mary J. Blige a lot. That's why you wore (laughs) short hair. (laughs) I guess that's what I listen to all the time. You were like, both can be true. (laughs) exactly and then you know he started to connect the dots and I could see the wheels turning in his head how he was like oh yeah I remember that time you used to just lay on the sofa all the time and I'm like yeah that's what I was going through and he was like wow 
Wow. So I was glad that I was able to still have that conversation with him. You know, thank God that I, you know, got through that and I was able to have that conversation with him and he understands a little bit more than you know, my mom just didn't want to do that with me. Like, no, I was actually sick. I couldn't do it with you, you know, so. Yeah, yeah, because, yeah, I think that that's so important with, like, the story that the kids might be telling themselves if we don't have it out in the open, if we don't talk about it, is I'm doing something wrong. Like, my caregiver is not playing with me like they used to. My caregiver Mm -hmm. is like laying on the couch a lot my caregiver Mm -hmm. you know like something's wrong what am I doing um yeah and it killed me the most that I couldn't work I couldn't even go to work at the time that I was diagnosed I was um working in a pre-k program and I just one day at school and I was not myself I wasn't feeling myself and The kids were actually noticing. And I think I was like maybe two months into my chemo. And so it was really like, no, maybe it's time that you need to just rest and, you know, let this thing run its course. And they definitely noticed. They definitely noticed. And actually, they would just pay a little bit more attention to me. Like, do you need some water? You know, like they were taking care of me how I would take care of them when they didn't feel well at school. So. Oh, that is precious. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I will say, so. I I believe I've shared this on the podcast before, but my mom had a stroke when I was 18 months old Um, Mm -hmm. and she's, she's fine now, but she was in the hospital for a month and like I was 18 months, right? Like not able, like not able to like at all grasp what was going on. And that still impacts me to this day, you know, like I still... I'm at times scared of messing up because my own like unconscious monologue was like, I did something wrong. My mom went away because I did something wrong because mm-hmm. it was never discussed. And so mm-hmm. I, I do, I share that to say how important it is to have these conversations because when we don't talk about them, kids yeah. know that something has changed and they don't know why. And the way that they fill in those gaps is often self-blame. Yes. Totally agree. Totally agree. Yeah. Yeah. And that's so interesting that the the preschoolers that you were with like yeah. noticed yeah. that they tried to care for you. They did. They did. Of course, I had to um, tell my supervisor at work. And then actually on my first day of chemo, they called me as a classroom and they were all yelling, get well soon, Miss Dion. I was like, oh, yeah. So they just told them, you know, I had to, you know, go to the hospital. I wasn't feeling well, you know, so it was the sweetest thing ever. It was the sweetest. But, you know, little things like that. It just stays in your heart, you know, and that's why I love working with children. That's why I am a super proud nanny. And, you know, sometimes that nanny title 
title isn't so positive when other people hear it that right. you're carrying it. I know every nanny has been through that before, but that's why every time I introduce myself, I say that I am a super proud nanny yeah. because I get to go to work every single day and do what I love to do. Everybody doesn't get that opportunity. They yeah. don't. They, some people struggle getting up in the morning to go to work. I struggle getting up, but not because I don't want to go to work. <laughs> right. Just because it's early. <laughs> and I just want to sleep in. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. I, I also wanted to revisit the, um, like the helping a kid write their own book and, or like, um, playing doctor or like writing get well cards or like the actions that we can help kids take to like feel more like they're doing something because yes. I think sometimes like we have these conversations and then it's like okay like I get like I I'm understanding everything that's going on and I want mm -hmm. to do something to help like yes. kids are naturally helpers and they so are. yeah like I would love a little bit more or wearing like wearing the green scarf and solidarity like things like that I would love to talk a little bit more about like ways that we can help kids help yes help kids help just give them little jobs like you said kids love to help whether it's putting all the materials out to make Nana some nice tea or make mom and dad some a nice hot cup of tea. What do we need? Oh, this what we need this kind of tea, the detox tea or the, the ginger tea. Ginger helps with this, you know, just all those little kind of things that we use to get better, but just the conversation. Um fluffing her Nana's favorite pillow, you know, on her bed. So when she comes home from her doctor's appointment, her bed will be nice and made for her. We'll have her tea right there. And you can hold Nana's hand while she walks, you know, to her room, you know, little things like that. And reminding them through the day that you remember, remember Nana is in there sleeping. So we're going to play a little bit quieter today. We're going to play some quiet games. Do you want to play the quiet game? Well, why do we have to play it? Yeah, this will help Nana feel a little bit better because she can get lots of rest. You know, just right. being quiet, and but in a fun game kind of way. I love to teach children through play, you know, yes. make them think that they're playing, but they're also learning some valuable lessons and even with my coloring book I have I have designed a coloring book to go along with my picture book amazing so yes it's Ebony's Purple Scarf coloring and activity book of course of course and, <laughs> and it has simple activities in there it has a maze um connect the dots um finish this picture and I wanted the activities to be as simple as possible so the child will be able to do them on their own but also while having a conversation about Ebony and her scarf and why she didn't feel well and how did they treat her when the scarf came off and what would you would have done if you were there with Ebony when her scarf came off and, you know, the conversation is the most important. And I find that in my line of work, 
when children are capable to do an activity, a craft, sit down with their hands and able to do it on their own, conversation flows a little bit better. They're not worried about the paper as much because they know how to do this. I can do right. this on my own. So if I ask them a question, they're able to talk and do the activity at the same time. So that is the purpose of the coloring book and the book. The conversation is the most important parts to me because they need to be had. They are important. <laughs> yes. Yes. I, I'm also curious about like his kids don't have the same filters that we have. Right. And mm -hmm. so like in those conversations, if the kid asks something that could feel unkind mm -hmm. to the person experiencing cancer, mm -hmm. like how, I guess as the as a caregiver who is not going through cancer, how mm -hmm. can we help support both the child to feel like they can ask things, but also the person going through cancer to know that they are also supported um, in those moments? Like that's yeah. tricky. <laughs> that is tricky. I was going to say that is like a thin line. And balancing it is very tricky because like you said, kids don't have filters. Right. And sometimes, you know, we can't catch it before it comes out. But, um, and a lot of people don't understand that about children. They're not right. being rude. They're not being disrespectful. They just don't know. You know, you okay. can't blame them for not knowing what they don't know. So I will hope that the person who is going through it can have a little bit more sensitivity that is coming from a child rather right. than coming from an adult, you know? Right. And then I, I feel that it's also important for that adult that's with the child to have that conversation right in front of the person who's dealing with it, you know? Mm -hmm. And so the child can have that connection. You know, right. you can't wait until you get home and then say, remember when you said, because they're not going to remember, <laughs> no. you know, they, they're probably going to say, uh-huh, or whatever, but they're really not going to remember. But if you talk about it within the moment, you know, and then maybe talk about it again when you get home, right. you know, that that will help connect the dots and keep the, you know, the words that he said and how that person felt felt and the reaction that that person gave when he said that it'll be fresh on their on their mind you know and we could just point out you know some how would you feel if I took your favorite toy from you you know something like, yeah. like related to where they can understand they wouldn't like that right. you wouldn't like that's how they feel when you said x y and z so we're gonna try not to say it this way but you can ask it like this you know, yeah. also give them the proper way to say whatever they say, because there's always a way right. to say, you know, so just give them the proper tools to use and the proper words and make sure they use them right there in the moment to ask that person the question that they wanted to ask them and make sure they get the answers that they were seeking from the question. Yeah, that's, that's great advice. And I also think that even if no one 
in your caregiving system has cancer, it's also Mm -hmm. good to like start from a place of like, we don't comment on other people's bodies. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, like laying that groundwork (laughs) from the jump, um, I think sets you up for success more success around conversations like that of like why doesn't Nana have any hair you know like things like that it can be helpful if we're like remember we don't comment on other people's bodies like that's not that's not something that we we comment on out loud exactly Um, Exactly. you're right yeah and like normalizing that of like like I I totally understand you're curious and I'm happy mm-hmm. to like talk about that with you and also like we we allow other people to have the body they have. Exactly. <laughs> and that's it. We're all different. And that's what makes us unique, you know? Yeah. Yep. So you're right. Yeah. Hmm. Is there anything else that you were hoping we would talk about or touch on? Well, I do. I would like to talk about a little bit about the title of my book. Yes. 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 Okay. Yes. So I, like I said, the name of the book is Ebony's Purple Scarf. And that title means the world to me because for one My dad passed away from prostate cancer. Mm, So I definitely wrote this book in his honor. My mom passed away with a lot of complications that she didn't even want to bother getting looked at. Mm. And so I wrote this book in her honor as well. And the character in the book, her name is Ebony. And she was created in my likeness. Mm -hmm. And when I was a little girl, my mom used to always tell me that she wanted to name me Ebony. But my dad won. He was in love with Dionne Warwick. So they named me Dionne. (laughs) They named me Dionne Monique instead of Ebony Monique. So I thought that would be a great tribute to my mom to name the character Ebony, the little girl that she always wanted and um tribute for my dad too because me and him love the color purple Mm. um it means royalty to me and that's why I'm wearing it today because I feel royal yes queen (laughs) and I just wanted a signature color that Ebony could have all on her own to represent which is her purple scarf movement Mm -hmm. so that title to me Ebony's purple scarf it just put the cherry on the top of my book. Mm. And so it means the world to me. So I like to let people know that I put my heart, my soul, my tears, my sweat, everything into this book. And I hope that you love it um, as much as I do, yes. <laughs> as much as the author does. Right. Right. <laughs> yes. Where can folks find your book and more information about you? Yes, you can find my book and more information about me at my website, which is sincerelydion.com. And that's Dion with two N's and an E, D-I-O-N-N-E. Um, I am on Amazon. You can find my book on Amazon and also at Barnes and Nobles. 
But if you purchase from my website, you get an autographed copy from the author. Who wouldn't want that? (laughs) That's why I purchased from the website. Like that's right, a thousand percent. Um, And you also a lot about me on my website about my cancer journey and what um, pushed me to become an author Mm -hmm. and all the pain that I endured. I turned it into a purpose, which is my book. And there's also a section on my website that cancer warriors can upload their story or a motivational quote or anything you would like to upload for me to know about you, that we have this connection. Um, Just you can be highlighted on my website. All you got to do is just drop me a little note. Yes. And I love that the building of that community. um, So important, like we talked about. And I also want folks to know who are listening that the website is down in the show notes. So there's a link down in the show notes. So if you're driving or doing dishes or holding a baby while they sleep, because if you put them down, they will wake up. Exactly. Um, you can't write it down right now. Uh, it's, it's down there for you. Just click on that and it'll take you right there. Um, yes. And they can also find me on all social media platforms that sincerely Dion that's me I mostly live on Instagram and I am a whole character over there don't you yes she is a great follow like just (laughs) do it and then you're welcome (laughs) because yes wonderful well Dion this was like the most amazing I had such a blast talking with you um I I'm so grateful for what you're putting out in the world and the community that you're building. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Um, I like to say that I am co-hosting this with God. He is just leading me in every right direction. And I am just like a little puppy dog following behind him. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And I want to thank you, Martha and Um, All you guys are doing over there and uplifting us caregivers the way that you do and giving us something to do while the baby's sleeping. (laughs) (laughs) While the kids are at school. Yes, my absolute pleasure. I love staying connected with, you know, the nanny community, my roots. Um, I also, I just wanted to quickly mention that like getting to meet you in person at Nanny Palooza was just the best. (laughs) Um, I loved every second of it. So yes, same here. We have to go get Mexican again. Yes. (laughs) That was so good. I still think about it sometimes. (laughs) Yes. And, and I do just want one more plug for like any way that you can find community. Like I love the community that you are building. I love the nanny community. Hmm. Like if you are listening to this and you feel alone in anything right now, like one, please reach out because I love talking to folks. And then please. two, um, just know that there are these wonderful communities that are being built. And I encourage you to continue to look for and find one that reflects what you are feeling alone in um, because it's so, so, so important. And if cancer is involved in any of your community, in any of your systems, 
this is the the purple scarf movement is here for you yes correct correct we are here for you i know how i felt and i was alone and i was scared and i didn't have anyone to talk to who had been through it as well so that's why i'm creating this community for us to not have to be alone and get the answers we need yep that's beautiful all right dion thank you so so much you're welcome thank you for having me And thank you all for listening. We'll see you next week. The Compassionate Caregiver Podcast is produced and hosted by Katie Anderson and Martha Tyler. If you'd like to support the show and receive bonus content, please consider becoming a Patreon member. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Compassionate Caregiver Pod and on Twitter at C Childcare LLC. To contact us, email hello at compassionatechildcare.com. As always, thanks for listening.